Good morning, friends, and welcome to chapel worship. We welcome those who are online with us today, those who are present in the chapel. We know that we are one in the body of Christ, and we are so glad that you have come to worship God together in spirit and in truth. We begin chapel by offering our thanksgivings to God and saying, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Today's chapel is Meditations on Blessings. And what better way to begin than by reflecting on God's blessings in song. So let's stand as we are able and sing 563 in voices together. Come thou fount of every blessing. If you have hung around the seminary long enough, even if that's just been four weeks, you know that when we start any class session, we will begin with, what does XYZ mean? We want some definitions. And so, in good seminary fashion, we will start today with, what is blessing? And where else would we go but the New Westminster Dictionary of Liturgy and Worship? So, here is what the academics say about blessing. Blessing is the authoritative pronouncement of God's favor on people, places, events, 
or objects. The authoritative pronouncement of God's favor on people, places, events, or objects. So today we are going to hear examples of pronouncements of God's favor. We will hear examples from scripture, examples in song, examples from practice of ministry, and examples from daily life. And so we begin, as all worship does, in the scripture. A reading from the book of Genesis. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the ones who curse you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The Hebrew Bible begins with blessing when at creation, God blesses the living creatures of sky and sea and then humankind saying, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. God also blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, resting from all his work. But the motif of blessing takes particular prominence in the ancestral narratives, beginning as we've just heard with the call of Abram and God's promise to bless him, his family and his friends, and even through him, all the families of the earth. In dramatic scenes in Genesis, both Isaac and Jacob bless their sons at their death. And in some cases, these blessings sound not entirely positive. Blessing involves the giving and receiving of benefit, the grateful and just enjoyment of the fruits of the earth, dwelling in security and rest with God and neighbor and so on. But individuals are never blessed alone. Blessing is for communities for persons and relation, and involves also the relations between those who are blessed and those um, who are giving the blessing. They also involve relation to God, the source of blessing. And if the Hebrew Bible begins with blessing, we might also say that it ends with blessing when in 1 Chronicles, the first Jerusalem temple is consecrated And David declares before the assembly, blessed are you, O Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel forever and ever. I'm reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter six, verses 20 through 26. Then Jesus looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. 
Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the fully human one. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. Of course, the New Testament is varied and multifaceted, and so is its language on blessing. But perhaps the first thing that you think of when you hear the word blessing is the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, mourning, the peacemakers, those who hunger and thirst for justice, righteousness, and the rest, of course. Typically, that draws our attention to Matthew's Sermon on the Mount, but I think Luke's version is pretty good, too. The Greek word here is makarios. Greek philosophers would use this term to describe the happy life. You are happy or blessed if you have wealth, family, virtue, honor, possessions. Yet Jesus' blessings are not that straightforward. They always seem to come to us with attention. And at the outset, this actually leads to my main point, Jesus' blessings by poking at and exposing that tension do not simply describe behaviors to emulate or conditions to be reversed, but they confront us and create something new in the word. Surely Jesus does not mean that mourning is blessed. Peacemaking, sure, but mourning? And most of Jesus' hearers would not have come with the assumption that, alas, how sad and pitiable it is for you who are rich. But here we see where God's favor truly rests. Yet, in poking at and uncovering and even creating tension, Jesus' blessings meet us not simply as a description of reality, but as an invitation to rethink the world that we live in. We might call his blessings a conceptual inversion of values, and precisely because he speaks with the authority of the Messiah, these blessings go out and create in authoritative promise. The words of God's word go forth into a world that may be deemed empty and void, and by blessing, the word creates. It calls forth in blessing a new social, political, spiritual, and communal reality, a people created for and of people who are poor, oppressed, widowed, orphaned, and disposed, who are as by this blessing favored. So for God's church, may we hear these blessings from our Messiah in faithfulness as an invitation to participate in the lasting blessed and blessed kingdom or kingdom of God, to magnify and uncover the tension, to show where true favor lies, and to live by the blessings of this new life.
What are the blessings in daily life? I find myself looking for blessings in the midst of sadness, grief, and loss. Today I'm holding a dichotomy of what blessing in daily life means to me in the midst of grief and hope. Yesterday I learned that um, two of my former colleagues from my time at Bethany Christian Schools in Indiana were involved in a pedestrian vehicle accident in the school parking lot just before school. Um, Peter Shetler, the technology director at the school, who I shared office space with because his office space was in the library um, where I was the librarian, um, died from head injuries after being struck by a car. Peter was an extremely supportive colleague during my short tenure at Bethany. We shared space, like I said. The car was driven by a fellow teacher. The school community and everyone who knew Peter are grieving. I can't imagine what my colleague is going through, what my other colleagues are going through, what the students are going through. Our prayers are appreciated and needed for this school community during this very difficult time. Both colleagues have been a blessing in my life. As a Christian, a blessing is a complex action between two entities that involve God. A blessing is part mystery and part pronouncement. It is part a request and part command. It is part for someone else and part for revelation of the blesser. A blessing can give permission for something or be a sign of support for someone. A blessing is part of releasing another from your care. And at the same time, a blessing can bind two people together. A blessing is a spoken announcement of God's favor and protection on another person. The power of blessing is in a spoken word, God's voice, giving voice to the internal desires of one to another so all can hear. It is a conveyance of one's well wishes to another to be fulfilled by God's attention or action. I think of two powerful blessings that have impacted me in my life. The first is from my youth, singing in my public high school choir. The, tr tr the tradition was that we closed each concert, each program by singing these words from the old Irish blessing, which continues to this day. May the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. The sun shine warm upon your face. The rains fall softly upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of God's hand. The other blessing that washes over me each time I hear it is the ironic blessing found in number six. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make God's face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up their countenance upon you and give you peace. May we experience God's favor and God's blessing as we continue our journey together. As so often happens, the Spirit weaves her life through spaces of worship in ways that we don't always predict and plan. 
This next song is Bless the Arms, that comfort. And Viva has shown us that there are those within the wider Christian community who need our comfort and our prayers and our blessings at this time. So let us stand as we sing this song of blessing. Bless the ears that listen. It struck me um, in my work as chaplain and the interns who uh, work through our CP program as chaplains in hospital settings, in retirement communities, prisons, had that opportunity to bless, a unique opportunity to bless others. And I want to focus my blessings on two different themes today. The first thing that we often do in the hospital, and we're known to care for everyone in the hospital system, um, this 
upcoming month is uh, is a focus on spirituality and the, the spiritual care of, of persons in the hospital. We always do a blessing of the hands for nurses, honoring the work that they do every day. Um, this was especially important during the pandemic. And uh, so I'm going to share a blessing, the blessing of the hands that we offer to nurses. The work of a nurse is sacred, not just this week, but every week, throughout every hour of every shift. The hands of a nurse are steady as they administer medications, help with procedures, start an IV, bring healing to the broken. The heart of a nurse is courageous, not just through a pandemic. The calls you to put your own well-being behind a veil of protective equipment while you push through any feeling that resembles fear, but always the hands of a nurse are calloused, cut, and worn down from the constant hand-washing, sanitizing, and wearing of gloves. The eyes of a nurse see through eyes of compassion, not wincing at the sight of wounds, but creatively finding the resources to bind them. The hands of a nurse are sore from charting, writing notes, typing long emails, comforting families that cannot be present. The soul of a nurse is fiercely gentle, bringing a calm wisdom into a space terrified by mortality. You stare into the face of death every day and offer a reassuring smile or the presence of solemn strength that does not crumble. The hands of a nurse are beautiful, strong, and gentle as they bring in new life, save those whose time has not yet come, and hold the hands of those who are breathing their last. We honor your sacrifices of energy, time, heart, and freedom. As the world seems overwhelming, we honor your willingness to offer your gifts and grace in the most vulnerable, frightening, funny, and freeing moments of being human. Also, also want to honor the work, the blessing that we do every day with patients. And ironically, um, I received a message from one of our own seminary students who um, gave me permission to share. Carrie Wanger is now in the hospital with appendicitis awaiting surgery. Um, and so she said that I could share that with you. And so I'm certainly including her in my blessing today and just want to offer a little bit of time of silence and prayer for her as a part of this uh, as she's awaiting that. Um, the, re the way I'm going to do this, um, I have some just some prayers that, that patients have written about their experience in the hospital. Often the way that we bless as chaplains is by listening, by hearing the unique experiences and stories uh, the fears, the joys. Um, and so it's by hearing the story that we often can offer blessing. And so I thought I would read just a few uh, short little excerpts of patient experiences, cries out to God of prayers. Fearing the unknown, Lord, I'm in hospital and the cause of my being here is still a mystery. Tests, a long stay, a short stay, an operation, I'm in the dark. Is it serious? Is it nothing to worry about? 
I don't know, and I'm worried. I think of the family, my job, my other commitments. Oh my God, what is it? I'm here to find out. May the doctor's skill and equipment be adequate to give an answer. When I hear the verdict, let me be able to accept it. Help me to make the most of my life from here on in. Teach me much in these days of the unknown. Full of regrets. I've got time to lie here and think. Father, it seems as if my past comes rushing back in spurts. Strangely, they're about the unpleasant areas of my life. I'm seeing them differently now. Some of the things I did and didn't do have hurt family, friends, and strangers only too often. It distresses me when I think of them, Lord. Forgive me. Where possible, I would like to right those wrongs. Armed with your forgiveness, show me how to do something about it, even while I'm here. And improving. It's great to be alive. I didn't think that last week. Each day I'm getting stronger. The old pain is gone. It's wonderful. I'm beginning to make plans for what I'll do when I get home. Happy thought. I sense a danger here. I'm likely to become too self-indulgent and demanding. You've stood by me and given me strength during these days of illness. When I've been depressed, angry, irritable, frustrated, or anxious, you've been around. Turn my thoughts and plans, O oh Lord, to things positive and helpful. I've received much. May I start reaching out to others also. Let's just pause for a moment of, of prayer for persons who are now experiencing uh, various things in the hospital setting and other settings where they're hurting. Let's think of Carrie especially as well today as we pause for a prayer. Lord, these stories and even more we know people are experiencing right now. We ask your blessing on people who are hurting physically, emotionally, spiritually. We especially lift up Carrie today and her experience in the hospital. Bless her, bring healing and strength to her body especially as the doctors and the physicians work with her to correct that issue. We ask for your presence, strength, and may she feel held by this community. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, Penny, for allowing us to pause and to reflect. 
that's part of the blessing of spiritual direction as well as chaplaincy. When I thought through the assignment of blessing in spiritual direction, I discovered that it's not so much what is said, but what is discerned. Blessing is embedded in what supports the intent of listening together for the inner voice of love in the one who is seeking. If blessing is a desire to evoke and make aware of God's presence as a ministry, as a practice, then blessing seems to be embedded in the rhythm of the spiritual direction time as a whole. Blessing is in the crossing of the threshold at the beginning with prayerful silence or a ritual that turns the directee's attention toward God who is always present. Blessing is in the closing benediction in prayer or ritual that allows both a director and a directee to honor this time in consideration of what was heard and with the encouragement for living into faithful response. Blessing is in the midst of the time together by the hospitality offered by the spiritual director in creating a relationship of trust and non-judgmental presence, asking questions and reflections back that provide openness in discernment, in God-awareness and self-awareness, prayerful waiting in attentiveness together by practicing the presence of God. And so blessing is this unfolding peace that's embedded within the practice itself. And I think Paul's prayer kind of holds this together, the understanding of this, where he prays to the church at Ephesus and us. I pray that according to the riches of God's glory, that God may grant that you may be strengthened in your being with power through the Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. It may be so. Blessing is something that we experience, sometimes in a certain time, in a certain place, in its particularity. Blessing is also a general practice, a way of life. And I want to share with you a meditation about blessing as a spiritual practice. And this comes from a book by Barbara Brown Taylor called An Altar in the World. This book was given to me by my mom, and the inscription says, for your 30th birthday, which was a while ago, enjoy the wisdom of this book. I wish I could have read it at your age. And I want to say thank you to my mom, who gives me the blessing of her presence online every week with our worship. So thank you, mom. You are a blessing. 
and Barbara Brown Taylor says of blessings. Through the centuries, people practiced at pronouncing blessings have come to some common wisdom, which they have laid down for the rest of us following along behind them. The first piece of wisdom is that a blessing does not confer holiness. The holiness is already there, embedded in the very givenness of the thing. The mosquito does not need your help to make it holy. The heavy boy at the airport does not need you to place him in divine custody, suggesting that perhaps while he is there, he could lose a little weight. Because God made these beings, they share in God's own holiness, whether or not they meet your minimum requirements for blessing. This idea begs debate, especially in a culture sold on cosmetic surgery, home improvement, physical fitness, and the Protestant work ethic. Surely, it makes more sense to withhold a blessing until something has become the best it can be, right? Surely, there are some things that are so repulsive, worthless, or destructive that blessing them would be like aiding the opposition. The only way to find the truth of this is to try it. Practice blessing something simply because it exists alongside you and find out what your mind does with that exercise. So we are going to do just that right now. We are going to practice pronouncing blessings. One of the historical responses to hearing the word of God in the Christian community has been to offer the peace of Christ to each other. And in place of offering the peace of Christ this morning, I invite us to offer a blessing for those who are sitting around you. If you are joining us online, you can think of someone that you would like to offer a blessing for. You can do that silently as a prayer, or perhaps after the service you would want to send a text or an email offering that blessing. For those of us who are in this room, we will take about a minute of silence for you to think of the blessing that you want to offer to this community, to those around you. For instance, you might say to your neighbor, May you find peace. May you find hope. May you find love. So in this silence, allow God to speak to you the blessing that you wish to share with your neighbors. And as we come back together, I will call us back together. We will stand and take a moment to find those around you and offer that blessing. to each other. 
It is my pleasure to lead us in a blessing of various members of the seminary community. And I recognize that there are many among us who are part of the broader Eastern Mennonite University community. So while I will be naming some different persons and roles within the seminary, I want to recognize that we are part of a broader community here as well. And we are so glad to be in this place together. In a moment, I will invite some seminary faculty members who are new here to stand for a blessing. And then, as they remain standing for other seminary faculty who are in this room, to join them in standing if you are able. After that, I'll instruct you to sit down and invite seminary staff. This is whoever is a staff person here across the university who serves seminary programs and students in some way to stand if you are able to receive a blessing. And then to sit and then for students who are taking a course in a seminary program this year to stand if you're able and receive a blessing. Will you enter a spirit of prayer with me? Oh God, you created your people with desire for service and learning. Pour out your blessing upon our seminary community. Bless our new seminary faculty members, Tim Reardon and Dan Ott. Grant them enthusiastic commitment for this new place of service, that their passion for their work will inspire our students to deeper learning. Encourage them when newness overwhelms and surround them with support. Open doors for both them and their families in this new community. Bring them friends and companions that their roots may grow deep in this soil. Bless our returning seminary faculty and faculty who teach in other programs at EMU. Give them companions in teaching and service that they may carry within them the power of community. Renew in them a sense of purpose and commitment to their scholarship and service. Give them patience and passion that all who learn may be blessed through them. You may be seated. Bless our staff on whose service our community depends. Empower them to fulfill their tasks with joy. Equip them with what they need to feel supported in their work. Give them opportunities to receive praise and encouragement that they may feel renewed commitment to the work you have called them to do. You may be seated. Bless seminary students. Those who are new and those who are returning. Stir up in them the boldness of your call that they may be renewed in their journey toward goals you have placed before them. Give them clarity of purpose that their work may be fulfilling. 
Give them energy for the tasks of studying, writing, and learning. Provide spaces of rest when they are weary, that they may find their source of strength in you. You may be seated. Bless all in this community who support and nurture the seminary. Fill them with your spirit of faith, hope, and love so that together we may shine your light in this world. We pray all of these things in the name of Christ, the one who first serves us. Amen. Let us stand as we are able, as we sing, sent forth by God's blessing, number 812. As we remain standing and prepare to receive a final blessing, a reminder that today is the seminary community's fall celebration. So if you are a seminary community member, faculty or staff, or a student in a seminary class or program, you are invited to stay for lunch in the gathering area at noon. And then from 12.30 to 2 p.m., Seminary faculty and staff on the first and second floors of this building will open their offices for you to stop by. You may also want to look at the group prayer room that has moved to the end of the second floor hallway. Leave the chapel and go all the way to the right and you will find the alcove with the new prayer room. So friends, we have been truly blessed today in word and song and prayer. And so nothing more needs to be said but to go in peace. Amen.